0: You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at GraceSalado.com. Right, 2 Peter three
1: fourteen through 18. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in His sight at peace. Also, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul has written to you, according to the wisdom given to him. He speaks about these things in all his letters. There are some things hard to understand in them. The untaught and unstable will twist them to their own destruction, as they also do with the rest of the scriptures. Therefore, dear friends, since you know this in advance, be on your guard so that you are not led away by error or lawless people and fall from your own stable position but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Thank you, Adam. And Lord willing,
0: this will be the day in which we close out our time in Second Peter. Um, don't know about you, but for me, this has been a beautiful season For us and for me, um, we have seen in this letter the love, the humility, the commitment, and the bluntness in a letter from a man who once mostly loved himself, was not all that humble, didn't always show strong commitment, but was always a blunt man. (laughs) Peter would probably even say he was a blunt instrument. In his final letter, he writes to warn of false teachers and broken doctrine. That's not all that he's writing about. He writes to warn those he loves about this because the Spirit of God has come to bring life and to bring with the life a life of godliness not a life of doubt, not a life of confusion, not a life of fear, not a life when we gather together as God's holy church to distrust one another and distrust the word. That's not what he called us to. So Peter (coughs) writes to encourage the reader to a life of godliness, to a life of peace. And he does that by addressing some of the things the false teachers were bringing up during that time, namely and specifically, one of the things that they were distrusting and doubting in the scriptures and God's word was the return of Jesus. So we come to the last few verses. I know many of you thought when we started Second Peter, you know, verse one, chapter one, at the beginning of the year, you thought, okay, we'll be done by this by January. Well, then you are new here. Um, this is not how we roll. We usually, when we go through a book of the Bible, we, we go through it. And we come to these last few verses of this last letter, and as Peter concludes for us and demonstrates for us and shows us what life and godliness are all about. Today, if you're one of those that takes notes then and, and like, likes an outline and likes key words, then this is your day. This is a day where you could like, ooh, there's a lot to write here, a lot of clear things to write. And so today, what we see in these final few verses is that the life and the life of godliness is about waiting, there's a key, it's about growing, and it's about glorifying God. So let's pray as we get into um, our last few minutes in this book. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we don't always understand your word, but we thank you that you put people in our life that help us grow deeper in your word. We thank you that you've warned us not to run away from your word just because we don't understand it, but we thank you that you've inspired Peter that before his death, that he cared, that you cared to use him to write these words for our joy. We thank you that it has sustained and we thank you that it is true. And we thank you, Lord, that your word will accomplish that which you've sent it to accomplish. We love you. Teach us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So verse 14 begins with the words, therefore... Dear friends, and if you've been here long enough, you know that we say what a lot of people say. When you see the word therefore in a text, you want to find out what it is there for. Therefore is a link. It's a word saying because of everything you've heard, because of everything that we've talked about, what we've experienced, what we've testified about, therefore, here's what we should be doing. So therefore is a is a link to something that was said to Most likely an action to be lived out. So what is this therefore there for? When we go back to the verses that we read last week, just by way of reminder, I'd like us to actually go back to verse 10 of chapter 3. It reads, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. Here's verse 11. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness. As you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming. Because of that day, the heavens will be dissolved with fire and the elements will melt melt with heat. But based on his promise, we wait for the new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight at peace we see that what paul what peter is doing here and what he is inspired to do for us and for our good is to remind us since there is a waiting since there is a not yet the heavens have not yet jesus has not yet come as a good student of god's word and what we should be doing is we should be waiting for jesus christ Waiting sounds passive, not active, but what we see here in this text that waiting is actually active. One of the words we like to use in the church and one of the words I like to use a lot is the word hoping. So when we say waiting for Jesus Christ, what we are also saying, what I would encourage you to say is hope in Jesus Christ. We want to wait for Jesus Christ, we want to wait in Jesus Christ, we want to hope for him. Well, how are we to do that? What is the action? What is the therefore telling us to do? While you wait for these things, while you hope and wait for these things, first of all, here's your 1A for you note takers make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight. Make every effort to be found. Without spot or blemish in his sight. While you wait, make every effort. Wow, Jason, does this mean that we are to never sin? Does this mean that I'm supposed and I'm always supposed to live without spot or blemish? Does this mean that I'm not supposed to do anything wrong ever, 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 ever? Yeah. That's exactly what it means. But Jason, you might say, that sounds legalistic. No, Peter's not saying the way to heaven is to never sin. He's not saying the way to heaven is to be perfect. He's saying now that you've been saved, live like Jesus lived. Pursue that. Where have we sort of not evolved, but sort of downgraded the church to accept some idea that, well, we're going to sin anyway. Let's just excuse it. Let's just be sinners that are at least kind to one another. Where in Scripture do we see that anywhere? We don't have time to get into the depths of all the different theologies and Reformed theology, but the very core of the gospel of salvation there is this phrase called imputed righteousness. This is important. That Jesus, what this means, that Jesus did not just take my sin to the cross. It wasn't so that just Jesus hung there being dirty because of me. What imputed righteousness means is in that act, He became dirty. My dirt went on to him, and his cleanness came on to me. Who he was was imputed onto me, poured onto me. Therefore, when we, by faith, come to Jesus, we are counted as righteous, without spot, without blemish, holy, holy, In his sight. Nothing you did or could undo. This is who we are in Christ. So that when Jesus does return, Scripture says he's returning for who? For what? His spotless bride. His church, he saved us, and in the saving, he didn't just say, here's your fire insurance card. No, he says, here is your new clothes to wear. He says, this is who you are in my Father's sight because of me. When he sees you, he's going to see my beauty, my righteousness, and that's what's going to be covering you. You were clean, and you were right before God. So, Peter is reminding us, dear friends, he's already declared you clean. So, make every effort to live like a clean person. He's already declared you right. So, he's already declared you without spot or blemish. So, while you wait for his return, make every effort to live into the role that he's already declared is your role, to be found without spot. And blemish. Make every effort to be found. Look at that word, "to be found." It's a translation from the Greek hurisco, It is a verb that means to search out or to examine something. In this case, literally, it could be to discover after searching. So, make every effort to discover after searching your life that you have no spot or blemish. Make every effort. Peter is saying that God, throughout the context of this letter, Peter is saying God will deal with the false teachers and those who follow them, but as we wait for the coming of Christ, we should be searching our own heart and watching our own life. Is there anything in you Is there any practice of habitual sin or activity? Is there any distortion of the truth that you have accepted or are tolerating in any way in your life? Then, dear friends, while you wait for the coming of Christ, make every effort to seek that out and see if it's there. Jason, how do you do that? Well, here's... How I do it, I'll just give you two suggestions. One, you can join me. You've heard me talk about this before, but before every morning when I read the word of God, I have this little um, pre-reading prayer right here. Like, Jason, haven't you memorized this by now? Yes, I have. But one of the benefits of taking the time to just read it again is to slow my roll in the morning. The very first verse is Psalm 129. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Do you ever pray that for yourself? Do you ever submit yourself to the Lord in such a way that you put yourself before him and say, God, I'm yours. There's things you see that I cannot see we just saying, Lord, I'm prone to wonder, so I need you to search me with what I'm about to read, with what I'm about to look at in your word. May it come at me like a scalpel and do surgery on my life. Pray that. It's Psalm 129, 23. You can write it down. If you would like a copy of that pre-reading prayer that I do, just email me. I'll send it to you. It's not really creative. I warn you. It's just... Prayers like that. There's like six of them. Just pray that all the time before I read the word. The second thing that you can do is just simply start looking and evaluating the second part of this phrase here in verse 14. Peter says, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight at peace. When you come to God and you begin to be still before the Lord, is there peace there? Are you at peace before God? You can ask, do I have peace right now in the presence of God? Do I have peace in my life? No matter what's going on around me, no matter what's happening at work or in school or uh, in my family unit, is there still deep down, even though there's things unsettled out here, deep down is there peace that I have with my creator God? Make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight at peace. If there's not peace there, search that out. Lord, why do I not have peace? What am I not trusting? Where is my hope lying? So what Peter's doing here is he's saying as we wait, we should make every effort to be found living a lifestyle that matches Jesus' lifestyle. And Paul continues The same thing when the words that he writes and Peter sort of comes in at the end of his life and then he says this, verse 15. Also regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. So as we wait, first of all, we wait and we make every effort. Secondly, as we wait, we regard the patience of the Lord as salvation. You cannot analyze and wait and regard the patience of the Lord as salvation if you don't first regard the patience of the Lord. What does that mean? I don't regard. What is that talking about? When you ask the questions like, why is God waiting on the, we looked at this last week, but in case you weren't here, Why is God waiting to come back? Why is this happening in my life? Why is the Ukraine and Russia stuff going? Why are there there orphans out there? Why does all of this injustice and injustice going on in the world? God, why are you waiting? What are you doing? And we looked at it last week that his waiting, we looked at it in verse 8 and 9 of the same chapter, his waiting is his patience and he's storing up wrath. Instead of unleashing his wrath, he's holding it back. What Peter is saying here, regard this patience of the Lord as salvation. It is his kindness that he's waiting. As you wait, make every effort. As you wait, notice the Lord's patience and regard the patience of the Lord as salvation. Also, as we wait, be on guard. Verse 16. He speaks about these things, Peter says. He speaks about these things. Oh, let me actually go back to verse 15. Also regard the patience of the Lord our salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him, verse 16, he speaks about these things in all his letters. There are some matters that are hard to understand. You think you're the first one to not fully understand Romans the first time you read it. Peter is saying, there are some matters that are hard to understand. The untaught and unstable will twist them to their own destruction as they also do with the rest of the scriptures. Verse 17, therefore, dear friends, since you know this in advance, be on your guard so that you are not led away by the error of lawless people and fall from your own stable position. As we wait, we are to be on guard. Yes, we are to watch for ourselves. We are to make every effort to be looking at our own life, But as part of watching for ourselves, we see in the latter part of verse 17, we are watching for ourselves so that we're not led away, so we are alert, we are on guard with those who are twisting Scripture. Today, when we hear the words untaught, unstable, it seems like in our culture there is a cry for tolerance and compassion on the untaught and unstable. And I understand the heart of that. Yes, we want to always practice patience and exercise love for those who are learning and growing into Christian doctrine. In fact, that's what Peter's saying there are some things that are hard to understand. But here he is referring to those who are teaching and leading and proving in their teaching and leading what they're teaching and leading, that they are unstable, that they are untaught. We must guard against that kind of teaching, that kind of instability. They twist the scriptures to their own destruction. We must be on guard because the twisting of truths usually begins to gain popularity, usually begins to gain an audience, we see with Adam and Eve, they were not on guard. The serpent came, began to twist God's revealed word to them, and destruction came. We see here that there's almost an arrogance in these people. Not to go back to chapter 2, but says there's some matters that are hard to understand. The untaught, the unstable will twist them to their own Destruction. You might ask, how does their instability or their ignorance, their twisting and the bending of truth leads to, lead to destruction? Here's how it works. First of all, and this is where we see the arrogance, the unstable, the untaught, instead of waiting and hoping in God's promises, they move away from them. In fact, it just begins with that. They just stop digging. They stop waiting. They stop hoping. I don't understand this, so therefore, I don't even want to look into it. They begin to wait on and hope in their emotions, how they feel on the circumstances. They become impatient with God, and so instead of instead of trusting and waiting on God and digging in deeper, they say it's got to. It's got to be false. There's got to be some other meaning. That's step one. The next step to their destruction is in their discomfort and their impatience with God's word, they begin to deconstruct the truth. Because this has happened, or that has happened, or it's now 2022. It's not like it was back then. Surely these words mean something different. Instead of meaning this, it's got to mean this now. You see the slow destruction and the deconstruction of what is written. They stop waiting. They stop trusting the word. Then they begin to actively deconstruct the word. Thirdly, after dismantling the truth, they begin to reinvent the truth. They begin to pour a different foundation. I don't like that foundation. We're moving away from that. So therefore, we're breaking up that foundation, and I'm going to establish a new one. In a way, they're moving from rock to sand. Jesus warned at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, those who hear these words and do these words is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Storms come, and stable is that house. But the one who hears these words and doesn't do these words it's like somebody builds their house on the sand. They stop waiting and trusting in the promises of God. They begin to deconstruct the truth. They begin to reinvent their own foundation. And fourthly, I see this every time. They begin to withdraw from godly fellowship. They begin to pull back saying, ah, oh, you're asking too much. Don't need to do this. Don't need to be there. They begin to withdraw from where grace is actually being applied in relationships. They push people away. They stopped resting in the word. They began twisting the truth. They began applying their own truth. They began pushing people away. They stopped sitting under the truth. They remain untaught. This is hard to understand. I'm untaught. I'm unstable. Uh, I don't like what is being taught there. I don't like what is being practiced there. I'm going to go over here. Then I can just avoid this. I, I can just tell you by way of testimony. There are things that I come to in the scripture and I put a question mark by and, I, and I'm like, what? How does it say that? Why does it say that? What am I to do with this? It's not a time for me to jump ship, it's not a time for me to twist it, it's not a time for me to push teachers away. Part of my practice is six days a week, at some point in my early morning time, I'm listening to another sermon. No, not my own sermon. I actually have people that I listen to that teach me and I pull from them. Six days a week, you may say, Jason, you know, I come and I hear you preach. That's good enough. That's wonderful. Don't push away the preaching and the teaching of your local church. But maybe there's more you need. Maybe you need, instead of pushing people away, you need to come further in. Community group, Bible studies, discipleship group. Don't withdraw from the godly fellowship. Don't push back what the godly fellowship is saying. Here's what we want you to do to come in closer with us. No, come in closer. So stop hoping in the promises. They deconstruct the truth. They they reinvent truth. They withdraw from the fellowship. And that's when they begin to lead others to join them. Why? It's lonely out there. They usually do it by pointing out the flaws in the fellowship that they just left. So, an imperfect, unstable, untaught person says, I'm going to go out here. And instead of drawing attention to their imperfections, they draw people in by pointing out the imperfections of the people they just left. This happens a lot. This happened in Peter's day, it's happening in our days. And then the sixth thing that happens is they will bear the wrath of God. That's what Peter's saying. The untaught and unstable will twist them, the hard saying, the hard understanding, to their own destruction. It's these steps that they get away from and move toward. Listen, if we are untaught and unstable, we don't understand, wait on Christ put your hope in Christ trust in him just admit with the person sitting next to you I don't understand it all but what he has revealed that I do understand I'm going to trust that I'm going to hope in that I'm going to dig in I'm going to come in closer i want to learn more I'm not going to run away and jump ship life and godliness is about waiting on the Lord. So Peter is closing up his letter. This is his last written statement that, that we have on record that he has given to the people. And he's basically saying, therefore, wait, make every effort to be like Christ. Wait, regard the patience of the Lord as salvation. Wait, be on guard. That's not all he's saying, though. Look with me in verse 18. Life and godliness aren't just about waiting. Life and godliness are, is about growing also. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When I think of growth, I think of change. Just as you're waiting is hoping in Christ, consider just as you're growing is changing to be like Christ. First of all, it says, grow in the grace, grow in grace of Christ. How do we grow in the grace of Christ? I would just, just say these two things for time's sake today. Grace is a gift. It's a gift. How do we grow in the grace of Christ? First of all, cherish the gift. Cherish it, meditate on the gift, the cost of the gift, what it took for this gift to come to me, what he did, what he planned, how it came to me. Cherish it, hold on to it. What happens when you are given a gift and you're a child, birthday, Christmas, during the year, you know there are other times to give gifts to your children, right? It's not just those two times. Anyway, when you give a gift to your children and they cherish it, what do you want to do as a dad? And when I, when I say cherish it, they don't just cherish it in a moment, but it's six months later and they're like still holding it. Look what I got. I'm carrying this around with me. I'm holding on to it. I'm protecting it. This is important to me. My dad gave me this gift. I'm clinging to it. This is how we should respond to grace every day, being in awe and cherishing grace. The more we cherish the gift of grace, the more we grow in grace. Cherish it. Secondly, steward the gift well. When it's given to you, make every effort to grow into that grace. Pursue godliness. He's already declared you righteous. Live a righteous life. Pursue purity. Pursue holiness. Christ called his followers to be the salt of the earth, lights in dark places. God is actually sending us out into the dark places, we need to steward the grace of God everywhere we go. Don't just lay it down when it comes to politics season. Don't just lay it down when you're playing your nemesis in a game. Don't just lay it down whenever you're going to your boss and hoping for a race. Cherish the gift of grace, steward the gift of grace, and be grace for others. When we take the elements of communion, this is our loud yes, to grace. It's our loud yes and amen. Jesus made me worthy when I was not worthy. It is our loud yes, I am clean. It is our cherishing his great grace. So one way to grow in grace is come and take communion, and when you take it, be serious about it. You're gonna take the cup in a minute and you're gonna peel that first layer off, and that that wafer represents the, the body of Christ. Don't just pop it in and go, wow, this doesn't taste great. We all know that. No, we we think this is the this represents the body of Christ that He gave for me. Cherish that gift. Meditate on it. Take, pull that next, and you drink of the cup. It represents the blood that spilled that declared you righteous. We grow in the grace. We wait, and we grow in the grace, and we grow in knowledge. And yes, it sounds exactly, it is exactly what it sounds like, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you don't like the instability of the scriptures then work to not be unstable with the scriptures. We have for you a gift that we started in January. It's called Growing Together. In this is just a resource guide of how to help you grow in the knowledge of the grace and of Jesus Christ. There's a reading plan for you. Old Testament, Psalms, New Testament, Old Testament, sometimes Proverbs, New Testament, every week. And it's fun to grow together. It's fun as as we sing that song together to realize, oh, I read that in Hebrews today. Or, oh, I recognize this in Numbers from this week. There's also the life verses in here. There's resources in here. This is for you. It's in the back table or as you exit. It's in one of those panels there. Grow in the knowledge. Grow in grace. Grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ so that you can be on your guard so that you can make every effort. So as we wait the return of Jesus, as we hope in him, as we grow in the grace, as we're changing to be like him, lastly, we glorify him. Glorify Jesus Christ. Peter could have ended his letter. Think about all the ways he could have ended his letter. Think about all the books you read and how they end their letter. You read the books, and I know the publisher does, and I know the authors don't always do this, but you read a book, and usually there's a sleeve, and there's the picture of the author, you know, and it's all these things about where he went to school or where she went to school and where she was taught, and, and then at the front, there's all this sort of other books that the author has written. Peter comes to the end of his life, and he says, to him be the glory both now to the day of eternity. So as you wait, as you make every effort, as you consider the patience of the Lord of salvation, as you wait, making every other effort, being on guard, growing in grace, growing in knowledge, live for the glory of God. Not the glory of Peter, not the glory of your pastor, not the glory of the church-ish, but more the glory of Christ and seeing in the glory of all these things. I like that Peter says, to him be the glory both now. Picture that as he's, whether he's dictating it or writing it, both now as you're receiving this letter, okay, now glorify God. Uh, You know, worship him, saying that's easy now. No, and to the day of eternity. Most of you know that Peter went to the cross And the story goes that when he went to the cross, he said, I don't want to be crucified upright like my Savior. I'm not worthy of that. Turn me upside down. He's crucified upside down and to the day of eternity, both as he's writing this letter and as he's buried upside down, he's saying, I'm not worthy of the gift of Jesus. But he is worthy of anything I have to offer. To him be the glory forever. To him be the glory in all of our life, not just now, but even in the hard times. What do you live for? What do you place your hope in? What are you changing into? These are all questions to ask in response to these closing words of Peter. My prayer is that we, would glorify God both now and to the day of eternity and that we would do it together. Again, communion helps us with this. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in the sight of Sight at peace. Also, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him, he speaks about things in all his letters. There are some matters that are hard to understand. The untaught and unstable will twist them to their own destruction as they also do with the rest of Scripture's. Therefore dear friends since you know this in advance be on your guard so that you are not led away by the error of lawless people and fall away from your stable position but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity I ask you to close your eyes with me, just so that you can concentrate. And before I pray for us, before we begin the time to take from the Lord's table, I want to lead us to right now make every effort to ask God about our lives personally. First of all, ask, do I really believe that Jesus Paid it all? Do I really believe that Jesus paid all of it? Or is there still something in me that feels like I got to do this or have to earn that? Do I believe that Jesus paid it all? Do I believe that when he took on my sin, that he gave me his righteousness. Is there anything in my life right now that I need to confess to him right now? Am I honestly pursuing godliness? Am I daily celebrating and thanking him for his grace? And lastly, am I living for the glory of Jesus Christ? And if not, whose glory am I living for? Holy Spirit, as you counsel us in these questions, we thank you. We thank you that we can come to you. We thank you that this room and everyone listening in on the live feed is full of sinners. We thank you that we are sinners saved by grace so that our identity is not that I am a sinner. Our identity is I am yours forever. Thank you for the body of Christ, oh Father, that you sent your son's body. Thank you for the blood that was spilled Thank you that all your wrath and judgment that was due me was put onto Christ and thank you that the life he lived is now my identity. Lord, may we take this cup and take this bread and live from this day forward with great peace and with great joy For the glory of Christ Jesus in all things.